you know, we're, we're talking about God being on the throne of our life. And if God is on the throne of our life, although there's always things that, that kind of direct, and there's instance that I believe God sometimes ordains, and, and sometimes it's just life. But when God sits on the throne of our lives, he sets purpose and direction. And we've been working through the temptations of Jesus and the, the last few weeks, and we see that Jesus was led to the wilderness for a time of, of temptation, which is, is a mind-blowing scripture in and of itself when you stop to think that, that Jesus was led for a period of temptation. And, and if Jesus is going to be tempted, you're going to be tempted, and I'm going to be tempted, right? You know, and, and, and sometimes temptation, not that God tempts, I believe James says God does not tempt, but God certainly allows temptation in the life of his, the people that follow him so that we can grow closer to him because the, tempta- the, the response to temptation is worship, is obedience, and so God allows us to worship him through obedience in the midst of temptation. So Jesus was tempted to turn the stones to bread, and we talked about discontentment when we're not satisfied with what we have, and, and discontentment is is a major thing in our world. There's a lot of discontentment, right? Just, just turn on the news, just watch TV. There's a lot of people that are discontent. And God calls us to this place where we are content in the blessings that he has provided. That, that, that we say, God, you are enough for me. And then Jesus was tempted to, to jump off the temple and, and allow God to, to prove himself. And, and the temptation there is, is to get caught up in our, our current circumstances and begin to judge God or determine God's value for us based on our circumstances. God is bigger than our circumstances. And, and Jesus said, God is not the God of, the, of just the next miracle, but God is God because he's God. And then we'll go to the last miracle, or the last temptation. Matthew 4, beginning of verse 8. Again, the devil showed, took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. You know, it's interesting, this temptation, this is what Jesus came for, right? Satan takes him to this high mountain and shows him all the peoples, all the kingdoms, and Jesus came to redeem these people that Satan was showing him. So so in a very real way, Satan was saying, if you just worship me, I'll give you what you came for. If you just bow down and worship me, all these things that, that God's calling you to sacrifice yourself for, I will just give you. See, there's a temptation. And it's a temptation for us all to take shortcuts. To, to do it in our own way. To, to, to not submit our purpose and direction and our will to the way of God. But to simply do it in our own way. It's the appeal of the, the poem Invictus. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. 
I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Now, we've all heard that. There's, a, there's an appeal, I believe, to, to any human being in those words, that, that we want to be the ones that call the shots of our life. We want to be the ones that set the direction of our life, that, that we don't want to submit to anyone or anything, but, but we want, to, at the end of our days, our tombstone to say, they set the course of their life and they followed it. And Jesus resists this. Jesus resists this temptation to do things in his own way. And once again, he resists with scripture. And once again, it's from the wilderness experience, which is important. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. But in Deuteronomy 6, he, he quotes from what is called the Shema, which is this great prayer of the people of Israel, this, this prayer that they've repeated for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Part of it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord, Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Later on it says, Teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk about them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them, talking about the commandments, as the sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your, on your gates. See, the, the Shema was driving home the point that God was God. That, that everything flowed from him, everything came from him, every blessing that they had was from God, and they were to remind the next generation over and over again that God was God. Don't forget. You didn't get here on your own, and you're not going to get where you need to be on your own, but you will get there in submission to God. When God gives you the land, when you're possessing the promises of God, then you need to remember. And then verse 13, which is the scripture that Jesus quotes, you shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and swear by his name. See, it's significant where Jesus is pulling his scripture. Jesus is, is finding scripture in Deuteronomy 6, where, where the temptation is to say, this is all about me, this is about my talent, this is about my knowledge, this is about my ability, this is about me setting the right direction, this is about me taking the next right step. We have possessed the land because we are so good. And Jesus pulls from a scripture where Moses is reminding the people that when they get to the land, they have to remember it's all because of God. And if they truly possess the land, that, that, that it won't be about their ways, but it will be about the ways of God. God alone would set direction and purpose. Now, now, this is significant, and as, as we go through this 
this last temptation, and we're talking about the kingdom of God next week, there, there's something very significant to see here. Israel is referred to as God's son, right? You've heard, Israel is my child, Israel is my son. Israel, God's son, had come through the water. They had come through the Red Sea to the wilderness. And in the wilderness, they had not always kept God on the throne. And then when they entered into the land, they failed to keep God on the throne, and they did things their own way. That they were tempted to be discontent, that they were, they were tempted to, to not let God set direction, that they were tempted, and you, you read this all in, in the wilderness experience over and over, they were tempted to doubt God based on their circumstances. Well, when God wasn't moving according to their way and their plan, they would just, just leave. Jesus, God's son, had once again, again come through the water, the water of baptism, and he had been led into the wilderness. And this son was not going to fail the test. That this son was not going to fall for the same temptations. He was going to make God Lord of his provision. He was going to trust him regardless of the circumstances. And he was going to allow him to set the course, the purpose, and direction of his life. And you can't get away from this. And in so doing, he's inviting us to join him allowing God to do this so that we can fully possess the kingdom. God's kingdom. Real life. See, see I, I, I don't believe when, when we talk about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, what we're talking about heaven only and, and some time in the future, but, but I believe that we live in the reality that God can be king of your life in the here and now, and we can live in this blessed kingdom now. Not that things are perfect, but we can live in this, at this point of blessing, of joy, of satisfaction. Dare we say happiness in God? I got to tell you, I've, I've come all the way around on the, on the phrase happiness. I, I have. And, and you can disagree with me. Uh, you know, in my, in my thoughts, in my study, I've thought about this and I've looked at this and I'm, I'm doing a Bible study with my small group and we're going through this, this concept of happiness because the Beatitudes, some translate blessed, the happy is he. And here's why I've come around. Jesus was constantly redefining words. As a matter of fact, when Jesus is doing the Beatitudes, he is redefining blessing. He's saying, they'll say blessing is this, but here is what blessing is. We, the people of God, we need to redefine blessing and happiness and love and community, and family. Can I tell you, the world is pushing against God's definition of those phrases, but I believe we have an obligation and a right and a privilege to say, no, this is what love is. Okay, I'm going to say something kind of political. Let's all kneel.
will you forgive me? And you don't, you're say, let me hear what you say first, okay? It seems like we're losing the argument on all this same-sex stuff, right? Do you, you, I mean, do you spill that slipping away? You know why we're losing it? We allowed someone else to define love. We allowed others to sabotage and take the word love. And folks, we didn't live love. <laughs> you guys are going to digest that, and, and then you'll either send me nice emails or dirty emails. That's fine. I'll, I'll just not look this today. Folks, we've got to redefine these things. And we've got to find them according to the way God sees them and not the way everyone else just wants to see them. See, we're tempted to do things our own way. I'm tempted to do things my own way. You know, I, I went through law school and I was practicing law and you guys have heard the story and, and, and my pastor, Josh's pastor growing up too, asked me to teach a, a teen class and so I went and taught this teen class, and I listened to the things the teenagers were going through 20 years ago, and I can't imagine what they're going through today. And it broke my heart. I had boys. And the next day, I drove all around Dayton. <laughs> I didn't get much lawyering done that day. I didn't. And I cried, and I wept, and I prayed for my boys. And I can distinctly remember saying, God, I can't do this. And, and as almost an audible voice, God said, you're right, you can't, but I can't. <laughs> and it was a, a changing moment in my life. And, and God began this work that, you know, entire sanctification, consecration, dedicate, whatever you want to call it. But there was that moment in my life when I said, I can't do this, God. I need you. It wasn't that I was a bad person. You know, I served. I was on church boards. I, I was even an usher. Yeah. I probably even taught Josh at some point in something, and he still turned out okay. Jerry's out. <laughs> and God began this process of of calling me into the ministry. And, and this isn't about going into the ministry. Folks, the truth is, there's some pastors, if they would mind God, they would be out of the ministry. And there's some people that if they'd mind God, they'd be in the ministry. This isn't about ministry. This is about God being sovereign in our lives. And it began this process of changing me and, and opening me up to the possibility of pastoring. Can, can I tell you, before God called me to the ministry, before I sensed that call, I couldn't think of anything worse in the world to do. As God is my witness, I couldn't think of anything more terrible to do than to be a pastor. God called me to anything, but not that. The truth is, though, as I've submitted myself to his will, there's peace and blessing and joy. And not that it's always flowers and candy and fun, but folks, I'm blessed. 
And I'm blessed not because of my direction, but because of aligning myself with his direction. What about you? Who's in control? Is God setting the agenda and direction? In, in 1981 was the last time, no, it wasn't. They won one more after that with Steve Alford. Indiana won the national championship. And I know you guys have that on your calendar. You remember it well. With Isaiah Thomas. Anybody remember the weekend uh, that Indiana won the national championship? They beat North Carolina. Anybody what else happened that weekend? Something pretty significant? You guys just don't. Anybody guess? Ronald Reagan got shot. Anybody remember that? <laughs> yeah, some of you weren't even born. You're some of you are saying Ronald who? Uh, <laughs> I am so old. I gotta start. I gotta get more contemporary illustrations. Josh, help me. Ronald Reagan was shot, and and in the press room, Al Haig, who was the chief of staff, said, "I'm in control here." Does anybody remember that? And it was controversial because he wasn't in control there. He he wasn't the power to be. And and that's the question I have for you: Who is? in control. You know, we've been talking about the worship response to these temptations, and the worship response to, to, to this temptation is allowing God to set the, the agenda. It's obedience. And there's two parts to this. There's, there's he, hearing and heeding. Are you listening? H how can we find God's will if we're not really listening? And the truth is, many of us are so busy that we're too busy for prayer, we're too busy for God's word, we're too busy for God's people. See, God speaks through his word, he speaks through his people, and he speaks through prayer. And if we're too busy for those things, and it's not part of our daily routine to find time for God to speak, if we're so busy that we're running from the time the alarm clock goes off until our heads hit the pillows, then we're too busy. Are you listening? And then are you heeding what you're hearing? Delaying is disobeying. Delaying is disobeying. If God has spoken, now, now don't mishear me to say that God scratched your name out of the book of life. I'll leave that to God to decide. But folks, delaying doing what God has called us to do is disobedience. Now the truth is, I, I believe that as a church, we're called to be great. I do. I believe, but I believe that about every church. I believe every church is called to be great. We're not called to be ordinary and average, but God calls his people to be great, to show his kingdom. And we're going to talk about money here in just a little bit. And, and if you're excited about talking about money, say amen. Yeah, you are. I've heard, I've heard pastors, and, and it, it's, a, it's a kind of a cute phrase. They say, we have all the money we need. The only problem is it's in your pockets. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of truth to that but besides the money that we need I, I mean money I, I, Harold's not sitting over there so I can say this money works its way out if we're all in for him the money part finds its way it does 
And the truth is, you're gifted, you're significant, you matter. And if we would just go all in with our gifts and our talents and our time and our service and our money, we would be in a blessed church, a happy church, a full church. So that's the call for you today. And we're going to show a video. Uh, this is Mara's testimony of how God's led her into this place. It fits perfectly of, in, in this part of this, this series. And I, I want you to see this. I think it's important that you hear from Mara. Our board heard this. And uh, she just kind of introduced herself when, when she spoke last week. But I want you to hear how God is calling her and God is setting purpose and direction, and she's following. Hi, my name's Mara Castle. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, I recently started a position here as the children's director. This past year has been a year of a lot of transition, a lot of change for me and my family. About a year ago, I lost my job. I was a full-time teacher for an online school, and in the middle of the school year, the school was closed. And that was really unexpected for me and left me for the first time in my professional career with um, this feeling of being a teacher, but no longer having a classroom. And it's been just really amazing to see how God has worked through all of that and was even working behind the scenes as that chapter was coming to a close and starting to prepare me for something new. Almost immediately after I lost my job, I started just to get this stirring, this sense in my heart that something new was coming, something different. And it was something I struggled with over and over. I remember talking to my husband so many times, just telling him like, I, I just feel like I'm supposed to be doing something different, but I just have no idea what that is right now. And I started to um, get this sense of being released from some of the places that I was serving which was really hard because I loved everything I was doing. And as I just kept praying about it and seeking it, I felt God just making it very clear that he was calling me out of teaching in a public school setting and into children's ministry. But at the same time, I also felt very clearly that he wasn't calling me away from our church. He wasn't calling me into a new place, but very specifically calling me to children's ministry at Marysville Church of the Nazarene. And I struggled with that and I kind of kept it to myself for a while because I just didn't, I didn't know what to do with what I was feeling like I was hearing from the Holy Spirit. And um, I remember last spring at one point I told my husband Ryan, okay, I'm just going to have to say this out loud because I, I don't know what to do with it, but I feel like God is calling me into children's ministry at our church. And he just looked at me and said, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You would, that, that would be great. That would be perfect for you. But we already had a children's pastor. And so I, I wrestled with why God would be calling me there when there maybe wasn't a place for me to serve in that capacity. So I just continued praying about it. Um, pastor Paul asked Ryan and I to lead the All In campaign and to start working on that. And for a while I thought, okay, well maybe this is just what, what God was preparing me for. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking down the road, eventually I'd love to pursue children's ministry. But for now, um, we will just serve together in this capacity. And um, that Sunday that Pastor Paul started the All In series and he asked everyone to take a connection card and write down what they were all in for 
that was the first time that I felt like I needed to put my pen on paper. I talked about it with my husband. I journaled about it. I prayed about it. But I just felt God telling me, I need to put this out there. I need to let some other people know that this is where he's calling me. So I, I wrote it down. I stuck it in the box. And I really I didn't think about it too much after that. I just thought, okay, it's a weight off of my shoulders. I will just continue looking for another teaching job for next year and thinking in, in my mind, my plan down the line as my as my youngest is old enough for school, maybe, maybe I'll revisit that. And then out of what felt like the blue to me, I find out our children's pastor had accepted a new position at Sydney First Church of the Nazarene. And I just felt God go, here. This isn't your time, but this is my time. And knowing that my yes had already been on the table, I had already talked with Paul and he knew my heart. He knew that I was experiencing this call and he was starting to mentor me into in pursuing that and what that looks like. And it has just been amazing to see this door open. And I've had so many independent conversations with um, many of you who would have had no idea how God was working in my heart asking me or encouraging me to pursue this and to um, dig deeper into children's ministry. And I just want to thank you for um, being willing to speak that to me because you speaking that truth to me confirmed what I was already feeling. And my life, everything I do, it's all for the glory of God. He has blessed me in so many ways, given me so many talents. But I know that every one of those talents, he is um, asking for my service and he is asking for my yes to be on the table with that. So I'm embarking on a new chapter here. I am enjoying every minute of getting to know your kids and working in this department. Um, but it's just been exciting to just be able to put my yes on the table, tell Lord that I'm willing to follow wherever he leads. And he's led me some places I didn't imagine, but man, am I so glad to be here.